Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, Julie Harris. We are standing here in a hotel room with no sound deadening, so if it sounds, you know, crappy, that is the way it goes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're standing, uh, looking out the window, and what exactly are we looking at? We're in Blaine, Washington, Washington State. Let me just put this in perspective for all those who are following us along on our sojourn. Um, That's a fancy way for saying trip. Uh, You can follow us on, on Instagram at Tim and Julie Harris. And also, uh, we have a website that is um, documenting our whole trip that is going to be embedded into the show description for today's, for today's podcast. We've been doing that over the last few podcasts. A lot of you guys are enjoying our travel pictures, and we're enjoying sharing them with you and sharing this whole journey with you. And um, the website also is describing where we're going next in the country and specifically where we're going to be stopping. We love getting the travel suggestions. We're getting a ton of suggestions. If you have any where we should be going, especially after you see the map, definitely uh, message us through Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's great. And we're really, truly enjoying running into some of you. So if you happen to be in one of the towns that we're going to be passing through, especially when we're staying the night, please do seriously consider um, dropping us a message through Instagram and we'd love to connect with you. And we are in Blaine, Washington today. So if you want to think about where that is, on a map. Blaine, Washington is, I don't think, well, I'm quite certain you could not go any further north in the United States, or rather, let me put it a different way. We could not be any further away from our home in Puerto Rico, um, except Without if we're going to Hawaii. Well, okay. <laughs> let me put it a different way just to make it really interesting. Sure. We are at Puerto Rico is us farther down in the hemisphere in the, you know, than uh-huh. uh, Hawaii is. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we're the, we are the furthest north that we possibly could be and still be in the United States. Except Alaska, but yes. Yeah, oh, there you go. Except yeah. Alaska, of course. But yes, yeah, that... and we know that because we were uh, talking to one of our great staff members on the way up here, and we almost and just kind of <laughs> were on autopilot, and and it literally said uh, checkpoint into Canada in that, like that was your next exit, and at the same time it said freeway ends. And how do we? I don't think they probably would have just let us in that easily, but. Apparently the Canadian border is closed, but we nearly missed that, or we would be talking to you from being marooned up there. And nearly drove, nearly drove into Canada. That's right. Right, exactly. So, so shout out to our Canadian clients because we're closer to you than normal. And it is a really incredible part of the world too. We got here last night. Well, first of all, because it's summer and where this is, you know, this town is situated on planet Earth, they have very this time of year, very very long days. Um, and the sun didn't set here till what time? 9.30? 9.30, which was yeah. weird for us. And in Puerto Rico, the sun sets at what time? Seven. Yeah, so it was really, it's like, oh my gosh. And then we we thought, oh, I remember Earth Science from the sixth grade. You know, you get longer daylight the further northern you go in certain times of the year. So we kind of figured that one out quick. Yes, but <laughs> you know, maybe people get more stuff done up here. I don't know. So while we're here, and we're very excited about this, today actually we're going to be meeting with Glenn Sanford, and he is the founder of EXP Realty. We're meeting with Glenn uh, in a few hours. We've got a lot of great questions that we've prepared for him, and we're actually going to share with you some of the questions that we're going to be asking Glenn. And um, maybe, you know, I don't know, I doubt if he'll ask to see the questions ahead of time, 
Um, some people do, and some people edit the questions. And frankly, if anyone ever gives me questions to ask, if we don't do a lot of interviews, but when we do, we never use the questions they give us to ask. And sometimes, honestly, um, you know, Julie and I spent a lot of time on writing these questions down because we wanted to really make this a great interview. Glenn's been interviewed a lot, and his interviews are usually asking interviewers are usually asking him the exact same questions, and um, we wanted to break free of that mold. And also, the other thing that you guys will discover is on a podcast versus being filmed, people have a tendency to be a lot more free flowing in what they're saying and what they're willing to talk about. I don't know. I mean, Julie and I certainly feel uh, that once a camera's on you, for some reason, you lose your ability to think and be yourself. Um, and so hopefully just by doing a podcast, uh, audio only, and by um, asking him some of these questions, it should be thought-provoking. It'll be beneficial to all of you. That interview should be live tomorrow or the following day, but we are doing it today. But we're going to share with you some of the questions um, that we have prepared. And just before we do, I want to remind all of you, do you remember the code, the text code? Four seven three seven two. No, that's the old one. No, I don't think. Four seven three seven two. Oh, that is the new one. You're okay. right. Yes. So if you're interested, since we're talking with Glenn Sanford today, if you're interested in learning more about EXP Realty and why you might consider joining EXP Realty with Julie and I and be a partner with us, please do text EXP to four seven three seven two. Text the letters EXP to 47372. So in essence, today's podcast and tomorrow's podcast are sponsored by EXP indirectly, of course. So just go ahead and text the letters EXP to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link. And that link is going to then give you information, not just on EXP, but also on why you should consider joining EXP with Julie and I as your sponsor. Yes, to be clear, Julie and I are formally applying for the job of being your EXP sponsor. So just go ahead and text EXP to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link to a website. The website's called Why Libertas if you want to go directly. It's whylibertas.com. And then you can, uh, the first thing to do is watch the two videos. There's actually more than that, but watch the video that, it's the, that is at the top of the site. And then that automatically connects to in the next video. So then watch both of those videos and then click around on the site. And I think you'll have all your questions answered and you will feel the same level of energy, enthusiasm and excitement that we did two and a half years ago when we aligned with EXP. So just go ahead and do that now. Text EXP to 47372. So those of you who don't know who Glenn Sanford is, I already said he's the founder of EXP. But what you might not know, and I think personally I find this interesting, is that Glenn, and I'm going to talk about, hopefully get uh, have him talk about this a bit today and in the interview, is back in like uh, the real estate uh, crash back in 07, 08, you know, uh, I, if I remember correctly, and I think I've heard him say this before, is that he was not in the best of financial positions. He had, was in, he had a number of real estate teams, his real estate teams, he was doing the expansion model. He was with Keller Williams. He was, you know, his groups were selling a lot of houses. Everything was successful. And then obviously everything came to a screeching halt. And through that moment of change, he had an epiphany and that epiphany was EXP. But here's the part that I find to be extremely interesting, just from a whole bunch of different perspectives. So since 2007 till 2021, the guy has gone from, let's just, I don't know what his financial situation was in, in 2007, 2008. I just expressed the, the, you know, all I know, but I do know now that he is a billionaire and not just a single billionaire, but a multi-billionaire. And for somebody in not just their lifetime, but in such a relatively short period of time to go from zero to billionaire, in my mind, is just incredible. There aren't too many people that have done that. Um, certainly not too many people have done that in real estate. Certainly not too many people have done that coming up with a whole new idea for real estate. 
it's a can in my mind. The only parallels you could really truly find for that would be looking at uh, technology companies, which is what truly EXP is. You know, you can't necessarily find a similar success story in the typical franchise model. Um, but, you know, you look at Jeff Bezos, who I guess went to space yesterday. You know, yeah. that's kind of cool. That's something. Yeah, exactly. Elon Musk. I mean, these guys are all technologists and certainly Glenn is as well. But, yeah, I mean, Julie, as I was talking, what were you thinking? Because, frankly, well, you and I spent a lot of time uh, on these questions. Yes. And and as you said, you never know how it's going to go. Sometimes we have <laughs> exactly. lots of great questions and it just takes a turn. Mm-hmm. They will all be listening to the, that interview, I think, tomorrow. So stay posted for that. But what I was thinking is that it's such a micro percentage of anyone who becomes a billionaire in their lifetime, much less in, what, 14, 15 years. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And there's a lot of stories of people who, for a flash, made it and then lost it immediately versus having the great trajectory of year over year, very consistent growth. So I think it really is remarkable, and I'm looking forward to meeting Glenn. Assuming um, I'm successful asking these questions and he feels comfortable with answering the questions uh, completely, then we're going to, what I really like to get out of the interview, my personal sure. focus, or what mm-hmm. I'd really like to experience for selfish reasons, frankly, mm-hmm. is I'd really like to know what goes on when you go from, what happens when you become a billionaire? Like, what, I, I'm not <laughs> yeah. suggesting you all of a sudden get some sort of, you know, golden ticket and you get some sort of, you know, peek behind the curtain or any of those Mickey Mouse sort of mythical things. But I'm, I'm curious what happens in the way you think and the, if your perspective on life changes. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, like, if you're, you know, we, millionaire, okay, congratulations. You have five millions, that's great. Ten million, that's great. It's not until you get into the, like 20, 30, 40 million that you really start to see a difference. In, because like, I know this guy's, guys, this sounds ridiculous, but the reality of it is, is that it's not that difficult in the United States to have a net worth between one and five million if you buy a house in the right area, truthfully. Well, that's true. Yeah, you can buy real estate. And if you just buy real estate and you just laboriously invest, even if you're not a huge wage earner, you're going to probably end up hell of a lot more, you know, better off than you think you are because of real estate. So I get that. But to go from somebody who has, a, you know, essentially somebody who's a billionaire, a billionaire has really no limitations on what they can do and experience in life and no limitations on anything. I mean, I look, I, we just were mentioning Jeff Bezos went to space. I mean, now Jeff Bezos is the world's richest man, I believe, right now. Like a hundred billion, or maybe it's even more than that. But that's a great demonstration. You yeah. can pursue your ideas and develop things without going. Well, I do that, but I can't afford it. I do that, but I've got to hire a bunch of people. Right. I do that, but I got to find the technology. You don't have those issues anymore. So you're getting at it. Thank you for helping me drill down. So you look at, for example, the mindset that it takes, if you want to use that overused word, to become a billionaire. Once you're once you've achieved that, where does your mind go, right? Right. What motivates you then? Yeah, exactly. And that's the reason I was bringing up Bezos as an example, and you know, you clarified it for me. I mean, okay, why? What the hell? Let's go to space. I right. mean, you know, exactly. I know. You know, it's 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 and, not. And maybe I'll take a few of my friends to space. And I mean, you know, it's it's funny yeah. too. I have to say, the generation. So Glenn is uh, 54, 55, mm-hmm. and if you look at, for example, how the baby boomers were um, when they became really, really fabulously, famously wealthy, they all sort of tried to basically become, you know, 1970s style rock stars. Right. You know, and they all wanted to make it about themselves. And we can just focus on real estate for that matter. If you look at, for example, um, I mean, just all the real estate leaders that Julie and I grew up with who are all a generation older than us or maybe even more than that, you know, these baby boomers, they, you know, uh, Dave Leniger was flying competitively, was flying uh, hot air balloons and Hmm. all these other, you know, big ego. It's something in the in the uh, I'm sorry, something in the baby boomer generation 
that made it so that they thought that once they reached a certain level of success that they had to sort of become these parodies, these almost like, you know, rich guy type things. Whereas Generation X, our generation and Glenn's mm -hmm. generation, we're not like that. No. We're completely, we're way more subdued. And why is that? Is that because cool. marketers have ignored us because we're such a tiny generation and we didn't have that impetus to have that kind of, uh, I don't know, show? Is that because we've all come of age before the advent of things like TikTok, you know, like our generation under us? I don't know why that is. I, I think it's interesting. I think you're right about that, is that you don't see a lot of, um, what would you say, 45 to 55, 60-year-olds um, having that same kind of No, uh, not flash. 60. 60 is definitely baby boomers. Yeah. But, I, but people in there, like, I mean, baby boomer starts to tick off when you, you know, basically cross about late 50s. But I think the real reason, if you want to know the truth, is because – uh, being wealthy, being a millionaire, being a decamillionaire, you know, being, you know, having a hundred millions, having a billion, it's not, and I know this sounds insane, but it's really not that rare anymore. And, yeah, and back when a lot of these guys were coming up the previous generation, it was rare. There were no, I remember like, this is, well, it's but, because it's all pre tech company, I think. There was less, there probably was less. Well, it's also to inflation that. too. Sure. So, I mean, it's also all these things factor into it. But back when there was, there you didn't used to be so many billionaires. If you, We publish reports on our website talking about the number of billionaires in the world. And there are just a ton of them. And there's more mm -hmm. billionaires getting formed you know, every year. But look, I know this, these thoughts and these experience, what we're sharing with you guys sounds almost unobtainable. Uh, but that goes back to my original point. I mean, remember Glenn, if I'm remembering history correctly, and I'm going to help hopefully talk about this with him today. Uh, was not in the best of financial ways, you know, less than, you know, 15 years ago. And the reality of it is, is now he's a billionaire. So that to me tells me that all of you and all of us, if we chose to, could also create something else that delivers value. And, and let's just, you know, address this from a populist perspective, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that there's, there's an unjust distribution of wealth in the world. And we're not going to talk about that. But here's what I am going to talk about. Look, look what Glenn has done. Look at the goodwill he's done in the world. And on not not even just like an opaque way, in a very overt way, look what he's done for so many other people. And as a result of him being of service to so many other people, that's the reason that he's basically been able to become a billionaire. And I'm talking about um, creating opportunity for all the 59,000, soon to be 100,000, soon to be 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, 500,000 million agents that are associated with EXP globally. Look what the opportunity he created for himself. Now, I do remember this very distinctly from an interview I watched with him and I hopefully will remember this today, is he said there's two things agents don't do well, save money for retirement and pay their taxes. Mm -hmm. And he said he wanted to create a, a basically a foolproof system that essentially covered agents for their, you know, obviously their uh, preordained deficiencies, right? Yeah, which I think is amazing and yes. absolutely true. We know that from hundreds of thousands oh, yeah. of coaching calls. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that those are probably the two most concerning factors about not, not just like up-and-coming agents, but you and I have known super you know high-end top producers that got behind on their taxes didn't have enough money to save for it and it really set them back and that you know it's funny when you and i bring this up sometimes uh, because what we're doing is we're just basically shattering the myth that selling real estate makes you rich yeah selling real estate does not make you rich people it's what you do with the profit that comes from selling real estate and those two things do not necessarily go hand in hand and if you think you do you're never going to make enough profit to become rich i just kind of spun yes. that around hopefully you understand 
just because you sell a lot of houses, just because everybody knows your name, just because you're a, to, to what Julie said, you're a TikTok real estate rock star. Yeah. And and does not mean crap when it comes to actual profit and your ability to reinvest that money. Because what typically happens is even when agents are successful, what they'll tend to do is spend the money on dumb things to make themselves appear more successful than they actually are. And then, you know, because what they're what they've essentially bought into is fame. In other words, they've chose be, being having the appearance of being successful and famous. And maybe they are successful and famous in their micro markets. But they bought into the idea that they'd rather have those experiences than then be rich where their money works for them and they no longer work for their money. And this industry does, well, hell, society nowadays just feeds into that. It's a constant stream, an IV that's tapped right into the vein of ego that basically is filling agents with more need for more recognition from strangers. And that makes you broke. Straight up, that'll make you broke. Yeah, but what's cool about what Glenn has done is he has built a model that largely cures that. And, but he also hasn't done it on the uh, on his personality, honestly. Not at all. He hasn't made it so that it's, oh, I'm all I'm the omnipresent, all-seeing, you know, Oz. I can I am completely pulling all the levers and controls. When you think of EXP Realty, you think of a brand. You think of EXP Realty. Mm -hmm. You think you don't necessarily immediately think of Glenn Sanford, and that's something to position yourself as a as uh, to do what he's done and not have an ego that's so out of whack that he wants to make himself you know, flying around the world in a freaking balloon with his logo all over it. That is, to me, something that's exceptionally extraordinary. Absolutely. And, and I think, hopefully, it's a role model for future generations um, to basically model after is that you, at the end of the day, guys, Glenn is a billionaire. He is one of the world's wealthiest men. I believe he's one of the four, here's just to put it in perspective. I believe in the world right now, there's at least 400 billionaires, because if I remember correctly, Glenn is one of the, yeah, I know for a fact he's on the Forbes list, but I remember uh, preparing for today's interview that I was looking to see where he was, and I believe he's between 300 and 400. Now that to me is insane. I mean, and I mean that in the best of ways, that there's four, there's at least 300 people or 350 people <laughs> yeah. that have more billions than Glenn does. And it's because why? It's because they're providing value. They're giving something. They're creating value to people that as a result and is in such abundance, the value he's creating that it's, you know, essentially has made him, it made him wealthy. And that at the end of the day is the formula for why somebody is rich at the end of the day. It's because in truly rich where their money works for them and they no longer work for their money. It's because of the fact that they have created a product or a service, kind of the same thing, that other people are willing to pay for Overwhelming in abundance. Overwhelming value. Overwhelming value, right. And if you don't have what you want in life, it's because you haven't bridged that gap. You don't have what you want in life probably because you have not yet figured out a way to provide overwhelming value and abundance to enough other people that they would be willing to give you their money in exchange for what it is, it is that you have uh, for sale. And that ultimately is, again, a, it's a it's a problem with real estate because real estate in general is a transactional-based business. But for agents that align with EXP, Glenn, I mean, EXP, people ask me this occasionally. It's very rare. They say, you know, do H I, EXP is a recruiting model. Agents don't sell real estate there. That's a bunch of hooey. If you look at statistically in some of the major markets in the United States, EXP is number one in terms of transaction and volume. Number two or number three, EXP agents, people that are coming to EXP are generally speaking already at the pinnacle of their careers or on their way to being at the pinnacle of their careers. And they're more business minded because they say, I want to focus on selling real estate and I want to make immediate money where the transactional income and this EXP thing has then created long-term wealth building through revenue share and through uh, stock awards. Those 
those three thoughts, and there's so many other benefits with EXP, but those three thoughts alone, um, I remember when that clicked in my mind in uh, mm -hmm. late 2018, that was a game changer. Absolutely. So you want to share with them some of these questions? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we did a whole series of shows, I believe it was last week, about EXP, okay? So if you're wondering about, you know, at the, the details, you can go back and get caught up on that. And one of the things that we didn't discuss last week is what happens to EXP in a recession? You know, it's had such outrageous growth year after year after year. You wrote that, where's that question? Right here. I love the question. Oh, it's number three. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, an awesome question. I mean, I think that's a, a valid question. I think that, you know, the bigger question is what happens to our real estate boom that we're experiencing right now in a, in a recession. But how would EXP be affected? So I'm interested in his take on that. I have an answer, but I'm going to wait for him to answer. But I have a feeling his answer is going to But we're going to ask it. We're yeah. going to try to anyway. Um, okay, I like this question. We're going to start out with some softball questions. Julie wrote all these down, by the way. Did you write these down in a specific order? Or They're you... rather escalating towards... Maybe oh, more. I don't know. Kind of. I mean, these are the business questions. This is about EXP okay, uh, projections. Then we've got some closing questions, some Glenn questions. Your, your first question is nice. A softball question. I'm on get, purpose. I'm getting to know you. <laughs> yeah. um, what are you working on now uh, that you are most inspired by business and personal? I like that question. And the second question you had, what is the biggest challenge or threat to real estate market that no one is uh, talking about. Did you write that question down mm -hmm. that I thought of that was basically, if you had to go to someone for business yes. advice? That's okay, that was a good question. Level. Um, and then the next question, share with them the genesis behind some of these other questions. Well, uh, let's. So, so we have a little bit of uh, mindset getting to know a billionaire that came from walking in your shoes. Yep. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how he thinks at the level he's at now. So for example, outside of developing EXP, which obviously he's doing actively, what are you irrationally passionate about? I, I like to see what makes people tick, what they think about. Um, we just talked about this one. Agents are famous for not paying their taxes, not saving money. Revenue share and stock awards can, can solve both. Where else should agents invest their money? Let's say that somebody's already in EXP and enjoying those benefits. They totally understand the model. What would he suggest other than obviously buying more EXPI stock? I don't know um, if that's a good question, to be honest with you. Why is that? Well, it's because he's the CEO of a publicly traded company. And I don't think th that's what he's going to say. Well, no, I'm, I would, if I were him, this is what I, I would try to steer free of that question. I'd probably say buy real estate or something. But okay. in that question in See. particular, because of the position he is in the world, being a CEO of a public or not CEO, sorry, Jason guessing is, sorry, Jason. Uh, but being, um, yeah, the founder of a publicly traded company, for him to answer a question on advanced investment advice, probably. Well, that's probably too far. Yeah, we can cross I, that we'll one skip out. that one up. All right. Okay. But the inflation question, I think, is interesting because Where, that's on that everybody's one? mind. What oh. is your perspective on inflation? Is it transitory, as we're hearing in the news a lot? Uh, what effect will it have on the housing market? Yeah, I think that's good. Yes. And I'm working on a podcast all about inflation and that kind of thing. So that's going to play right into my outlines. Um, this will be interesting. What popular or trendy idea in real estate is potentially hurting agents right now? All right. So we have other questions, hopefully, um, that you guys are enjoying these. I'm really looking forward to some of these answers. Oh, this is a good one, right? So in business school, we learned about the stages of product maturity, um, how a new product or model evolves, innovators, early adopters, early majority, and late majority. Where do you think EXP is in the stage of development? How much growth is there to go? And that you and I talked about that for probably an hour in the car when we were sure. driving here. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I, you know, I, again, I want to talk about what we decided, but I don't. I'll sure. keep my mouth well, shut. but that might be something for our listeners to look up a little bit. That it's yep. really there's lots of different charts and graphs, but essentially when something new is being adopted, there's a bell curve, right? There's there's just like this. Um, you know, 
curve to the top of an egg, if you will. And in the beginning, the only people that even know about it are known as innovators. That's a kind of uh, smallish percent. And then you've got early adopters, right? So if you think about something that's not real estate, maybe like an Apple product or something like that, your early adopters are the people who stand in line for the next iPhone or when it was first out, you know, they stood in line for days. Those are your early adopters. Well, even, and Julie, just mm -hmm. to throw something in there too, the early adopters are the ones that are basically willing to be your live beta testers, right? Yes, they'll they're over, risk takers. They'll overpay for a product that has uh, faults because they want to be early Part adopters. Of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they do tend to be contributors. They get the bugs out. They're not afraid of adopting something that maybe isn't 100% polished yet. So you know, that's I'm kind not, of interesting. I'm not going to be able to keep my mouth shut, right? So here, in my opinion, it is my, like, it, or innovators. If you look at eXp, basically when eXp had probably less than 1,000 agents, that was in the innovation stage. And then you started seeing the early adopters. And I personally think we're either midway through of uh, the early adopter phase with the XP Realty, or we're about three quarters of the way through. That's what it mm -hmm. feels like to me. Because what you're starting to see in many major markets, um, like well, you and I, it's so cool, uh, all these agents and people we've been seeing on our trip. And they've been wonderful, by yeah, the way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been so everybody. cool to run in into, person. into podcast listeners. And then people say to us, you guys said this and this. And I'm like, we did? Okay. You know, that was I smart. Know. Well, I I, we didn't even mention that Kenmore's office, which is just amazing in Kennewick, Washington, yeah. where we just left. I mean, that was fantastic to see their passion project, what they put together and the result of all their hard work. So Coolest real estate office ever. I think so. Yeah, Seriously. Definitely. Kudos to them. Yeah. Well, so we were um, anyway meeting with all of you and it's fun to uh, share your experiences, whether you're associated with DXP Realty or not. Most of you are coaching clients at this point. Um, and by the way, if you want to learn more about a coaching program, just text the word success to 47372, text the word success to 47372. You know, the, the uh, coaching program guys is your A to Z solution for building your real estate business, especially if you're finally ready to focus on becoming a listing agent, which if you know, you're not yet ready to really accept the fact that being a buyer's agent prominently or primarily is, uh, is the route uh, road to futility, then, um, I mean, frankly, you're going to not have a very bright future yes. really honestly you guys you got to be accepting the fact that focus all your best energies every day on becoming a listing agent i get the buyers uh, working with buyers can bridge the income gap but put all your strengths to becoming a listing agent because that's where you get consistency of income that's where you get consistency of the ability to save invest and become rich being on a buyer's agent it's going to always keep you on the roulette wheel of ups and downs in income and this is a special note for all of you new agents don't think you have to wait to become a listing agent. You can become a listing agent the second the ink is dry in your license. So text the word success to 47372. So in my opinion, where we're at with the EXP is essentially in the early adopter space. Because when you go to some of these markets like we've been in, mm -hmm. like we are in uh, Boise. Mm -hmm. And in Boise, there are less than 400 EXP agents total. Right. So if you're in Boise, Idaho, you're like, you know, you might be like, oh, I think so-and-so went to EXP and I saw an EXP sign. and You're kind of EXP curious at right. this point. Now, for those of you who are in markets like that, I want you to really listen to what I'm saying. If you were to get off your duffs and you were to do what Julie and I are doing and traveling around to see other major markets, you would also see when traveling through, say, for example, Dallas or Austin or some of these other bigger metro areas, that there are tons of EXP agents. So just like at one point, I remember when Julie and I were selling real estate in the 90s, Keller Williams was like, 
people thought it was a country band. Matter of fact, wasn't there a <laughs> country right. band called Keller Williams? I was something close to that. Yeah, yeah. it was really close. <laughs> anyway, so we used to run into all the, t- you know, Keller Williams was starting to really take off. And everyone was like, Keller Williams. And most of the agents that went to Keller Williams were initially with Remax. I'm with Remax. I'm, and Julie and I were with Remax. I'm mm-hmm. not going to this Keller Williams country band. What the hell's Keller Williams, you know? Do we get a guitar when we join? Yeah. You know, and then what happened is that over that time, basically Keller Williams became the world's largest real estate brokerage. So it went from, but the early adopters, you know, some of the people that are still with Keller Williams and, you know, some of them aren't, they have, uh, they were the ones that got in before everyone knew what it was. They were willing to uh, get past the country music, you know, question, and they're willing to stick it out. And some of them have become, you know, I'm thinking of our friends, uh, Linda and Jim McKissick, for example. Great example. They became very successful within the Keller Williams uh, world. And uh, it, I think, well, they were definitely on Very the early, early, they were early adopters. They yes. weren't innovators. They were early adopters. Mm-hmm. That's the, and, but you go to, you went to Columbus, Ohio, for example, in the nineties where Julie and I sold real estate, there was no Keller Williams and they came to Keller Williams. They stayed at our house when they were looking for agents to buy franchises and there were no Keller Williams offices and they were, they were there kicking down doors and talking to people and, you know, worked burning the candle at both ends. And over time they, you know, very much got paid for their, all their efforts. But they were the they were the early adopters in Columbus, Ohio, even though back in Texas, in Austin, for example, where Keller Williams had gotten started, where Gary had started Keller Williams, uh, you you know, Keller Williams is doing great. So Linda and Jim had the foresight of having been in Austin, seeing that the idea is fantastic in that era. Keller Williams was probably the best uh, real estate brokerage business model. Now, in our humble opinion, EXP is. But when you looked at back in the 90s, it made sense. Uh, to, when it, when you went to Austin to see what could happen in Columbus. So they got off their butts. Mm-hmm. Where were they from originally? They weren't from Ohio. I want to say something like Missouri or Arkansas or somewhere in there, somewhere in the middle of the country. I can't remember. Now. They have slight accents. Yeah. I don't like Little where. Rock maybe? Yeah, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, maybe. But but they, they had the foresight of realizing, well, you know what? This could happen in the Midwest. And of course it did. And that is what's happening in with EXP. And when we go to Boise and we hear people say to us, well, there's only, you know, 350 or 400 EXP yeah, agents. That's awesome. That is awesome. It's I, better than being on the other end of the curve where it's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of late to the party. Too many. Yeah. And, and I think that some people are quick to say, well, you know, that would have been great to get in early. This is early. This is early. <laughs> it's still early. But, but isn't that yeah. the thing? I mean, my mind goes back to the, um, you know, the future you versus the present you, right? Mm-hmm. The current you. And it's like, if you don't like, if there are aspects of your life uh, that aren't, like Julie, what are aspects of your life right now that you'd like to kick past Julie in the ass for not having actually paid better attention to? Hmm. Boy, that's a on the spot question. I don't know. I, I could always go to the health thing. I could always be working out harder and be more consistent. How? <laughs> I don't know. I, I how many squat? How many I, squats holding a forty-pound dumbbell or uh, oh, uh, kettlebell do you do today? Two hundred. Yes, but I still would like to be able to maintain an eight-minute mile on the treadmill. I really would. Okay. But that's maybe just a personal. But is there goal. anything else? Because my I'm answering in my head the same way you just did. I I'm tempted to say we would have been involved with EXP earlier, maybe well, by a agree. year or two. A year or two. Yeah. Okay. We can't say in our real estate selling career that we should have been with EXP because it didn't exist. So right. we can't say that. Um, I agree I with know. you. That's about where I'm at. Uh, yeah, I was going to say we should be traveling more, but it's not like we could have last year because of COVID. <laughs> well, we're obviously uh, making, you up know, for, making up for lost we're, time on we're that We're binge one. traveling. I, we've already gone at, what are we at? 2,500 miles on the car? Yeah, no. Yeah, 25. So we got the car with 80 miles on it and, and we bought it new. It's an Audi AR6 or RS6 Avant. And if you guys don't know what that is, just Google. It's an Audi RS6 Avant. 
it's pretty much the best uh, barge meets, you know, F-35 fire plane that I could ever possibly dream of having for a trip like this. And it's comfortable. A lot of cars that try to be oh, yeah. that are not that comfortable. But yeah. this has been pretty good. I mean, I can make this an automotive podcast in two seconds, so be careful. But, you Slippery know, we slope. The, it's the, like I was, after we got to Blaine yesterday and we'd, you know, driven obviously a crap ton of miles in just the past couple of weeks, I, you know, told Julie, you know what? I'm not burned out. This is not like, I was fearful that maybe I didn't have my driving mojo. I could do this. I could be a full-time, yeah, you know, you know. cause you drove in Puerto Rico for a year and a half. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> is, well, we're listening, we're listening to great books too. Yeah, and we're listening, sure. we're having a great time uh, mm-hmm. sharing this experience with Zoe, yeah, you know, definitely. and we'll tell them about the books we're listening to. Well, uh, let's see. So far we've listened to two books. We just finished one yesterday by Neil Gaiman, the, yeah. the um, the graveyard book and, Stardust, which are very quite different from each other, but he's one of my favorite writers. And in fact, one of my goals is, because I'm always working on my writing, is to watch his master class on writing. I think oh, he does have one? He does have one, huh. and that's going to be really interesting, I yeah. think. He writes all different genres, and this is kind of like, it's going to sound goofy to some of our listeners, but it's almost like, uh, you know how that you watch some shows, and it's like the kids will find it interesting but there's a deeper meaning if you're listening as an adult yeah it's that kind of writing well it's also fiction which a lot of people are, are like mm-hmm. embarrassed to admit that they listen to a read and oh, it's so well freeing, though. yeah you do we do it intentionally because we want to essentially you know essentially tickle different parts of our brains and our ways of thinking because it causes you to be more sure. creative yes it also makes your vocabulary better Right. And all kinds of other things. So yeah, but and those, it keeps those, Zoe's attention, so that's good too. Those books have been fantastic. And yesterday, we're, I guess we're circling around, or we're okay. circling back. But yesterday, we went to uh, Roslyn, Washington. Oh yes, which we'd been to. I love Roslyn. This was this was funny. I don't know if you guys. I know a lot of you do because you guys are Generation Xers. We're meeting all of you, and it's like, <laughs> Julie. I, it's like every time we go someplace, it's like most of the faces looking back are exactly our age. Plus or minus five years. But you guys will all remember the show Northern Exposure. Now, Julie and I started dating in high school. We've been married for 30 years this year. And we have... Um, well, with the exception of some of our listeners who were actually born in the 90s. But we'll forgive you guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we are in a... I think a, we are in an admirable position in our lives because we still... We appeal to baby boomers, the people that are older than us. And mm-hmm. we appeal to the people that are younger than us. We're, we're relatable to both age groups. Yeah. Which is nice. It's great. It is great. We have enough experience to be trustworthy, but you know, we're not so out of. And uh, and we're not and we're not full of shit. We've actually done it right at the highest level. So So, back to Roslyn, Roslyn, Washington. Ross, go ahead. uh, Which is on the way up here. It's in the northwest. I guess you would say it's between Seattle and Blaine, or between Seattle and Vancouver. Um, And it's up in the mountains. And you know, the show Northern Exposure was based on a town in Alaska, but this called Sicily. Called Sicily. But they actually but they filmed it in Roslyn. Yeah, that's where they filmed. That's where they filmed the show. If you don't know about Northern Exposure, I'm sure there are episodes on uh, YouTube, and there's also some really great quotes. Um, so, you know, that's the how many years was it on for 15? It was on for a long damn the time. The best years were the first five years yeah. and then they kind of expanded on it. Maybe 10. Yeah. yeah. Watch the, watch the first, if you want to really have something, it'll the be fun. Ones. Watch the early ones. Cause they're so well written. Who is the writer for those? David, uh, I can't remember his name. He, he wrote for some other things back in the eighties and nineties. Like, um, what was the law, not law and order, but. L.A. Law, I think he wrote some of those mm-hmm. episodes. He, well, it, he, he but had it was, quite a career. It was campy. If you guys remember, the there was a film in the. And you know what? I didn't ask you. Are we going to go to where Harold and Maude was filmed? I got to find it on the map, but yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I think it is up here, uh, Northern California, isn't it? There, there's another. Th- yeah, totally. Harold and Maude. They're going to totally think that we're 
nutballs. Hippies. Yeah. Well, go watch the another great thing to watch, and we really enjoy this, and we watched this originally <laughs> in high school, is, is Harold and Maude. And that, I mean, I'm telling you guys, that is the ultimate uh, uh, camp uh, movie you'll ever see. Yeah. But it's also done in such a dry humor uh, way that you'll look at it and you'll, like, not be able to look away. It's that good. It, it, it is. It, it's one of those that every time you watch it, you notice you know, more and more depth to it. I love that the, movie. The first time they're going to be like, what? But you it's know? like, it's, but uh, that's but what, remember it's campy, but that's like Northern exposure basically. That's what I'm too. trying to say. Yeah. So you want to, you want to just round the bend and <laughs> talk funny. about any other shows? Oh, let's see. Do you, do you like, um, you know, we're going to talk, I'm going to ask him a question about revenue share has the potential to create many millionaires, multimillionaires and beyond within the AXP model. Did you think that would happen? <laughs> I thought that would be a fun question. Yeah. Um, because here's the thing. That's what's happening with revenue share. And yeah, let's do around the bend on this point. Okay. Um, so there was a, a report that came out and uh, guys never, you know, Julie and I are just your casual podcasters. We rarely have notes in front of us. Well, other than, you know, notes for the show. And so if I get any of these numbers wrong, forgive me. But here it is. So Keller Williams uh, created the profit share model. EXP copied the concept of it, but they made it revenue share. Now, here's the distinct difference. And by the way, when I got this, then I knew we had to tell our coaching clients about it. So revenue share comes off the top, profit share comes off the profit, which may, may or may not be there as determined by the broker, right? So if you have, for example, if you're at Keller Williams, and if I get any of this wrong, guys, please just message me. I'm not doing it maliciously. But when you're at Keller Williams and you, brought, and you were to say, for example, sponsor an agent into Keller Williams and that agent sells something, hypothetically, you're going to get a portion of that agent's transaction, however it's determined by their profit share model. But it's diluted because the profit is determined by the brokerage. So if the brokerage, for example, is not profitable, even though you were entitled to profit share, you're not going to get that profit share because it went to running the brokerage. Now, uh, Glenn Sanford, and I think he basically had this epiphany when he was uh, going through the, uh, you know, the the doldrums of the housing crash. Said, "Well, why don't we make this whole thing? The concept of revenue share, or the, I'm sorry, the concept of profit share, is a fantastic idea for agents because again, it cures the problem that most agents have, which is essentially never saving money and never being, you know, financially secure. So he said, why don't we do it better? Instead of making it profit share, which can be diluted, why don't we make it revenue share that comes off the top? So you." Using it for example, if you have um, you sponsor Bob, and Bob sells a house and gets a ten thousand dollar commission, depending on let's say you directly sponsored him, you're going to get in that particular case hundreds of dollars that you're going to be paid off Bob's transaction. Now here's what, some interesting statistics. And again, if I'm getting any of these numbers wrong, it's not malicious. But at Keller Williams, there's been six people total that have earned it since, and I think it's about thirty years, have earned more than a million dollars in total um, profit share. Again, if I'm getting this wrong, just tell me and I'll correct it, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So a total of six people that have earned more than a million dollars in profit share. Pretty impressive in 30 years, right? I mean, there's a lot of other people that have made lesser, lesser amounts, but still that's not nothing to sneeze at, right? Well, last year alone, EXP shared $150 million in revenue share. That's because why? When the money comes in, the agent who sponsored the uh, agent who earned the money is getting paid off the top and there's no dilution of that money. Conceptually, that's how it works. So that means before the agent gets paid, before the now where's that money come from? It comes from the cap that the agent's paying in. 
So if that agent's paying in a $16,000 cap, which is what the EXP cap is, the profit share, I'm sorry, the revenue share, <laughs> I trip over mm -hmm. that too, the revenue share comes out of the cap. So it's not like the agent is getting a statement that says, well, this went to your cap and this went to Julie who sponsored you. No, it's all done through the company. So the company is in essence paying the sponsoring agent with the revenue that came from that agent's transaction, not in addition to. That's right. So let me kind of clarify a little bit of this because it, it can be some tangled up language, right? So the first point is that it's it's the company dollar. Okay? Yeah. So this is coming from agents. So uh, by you sponsoring me or me sponsoring you, neither one of us are uh, netting less in our commission check because of the sponsorship. Correct. There's okay? no tax on the uh, sponsored agent. Um, because they have a sponsor. It doesn't work like, so if, if so you, you got, shouldn't feel like, okay, so you sponsored me yeah. and, and sometimes agents misconstrue and they go, well, gosh, why would I, why would I want that? You're going to make money off of me. It's not that we're both paying into the company dollar right. and we both benefit. You're going to pay into your cap regardless. And if you have, um, Julie as your sponsor, for example, you're going to, the company's going to pay Julie. You're not paying Julie directly. The company's paying it out of the cap you'd pay. You're going to pay regardless. That's the way it works. Yes. You're not out anything because right. of the model. And that is an interesting little micro point that sometimes trips people well, up. Well, I've it's, heard agents be like, well, why would, why would I want that? You know, because they don't understand. It's actually, Julie, what I, what, what actually happens is that the very amiable types will say, I don't want to sponsor anyone because I don't want them to think that the only reason I'm encouraging them to join EXP exactly. is because I want to make money off of them. That's what some agents say. And guys, the point is, is is that it, you're not making it, you're making money off them, yes, but it's not coming out of that agent's pro, uh, pocket. That agent's not being punished for having you sponsor no, them. EXP is paying you, right? EXP, and that's the whole revenue share model. Boom. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's important to clarify this because there's a lot of misconstruing oh, yeah. misconstruing out there. Well, intentional misconstruing by yeah, competitors exactly. that don't offer anything similar. And again, going back to why I think this, the waters, this is the best brokerage model ever. Now, here's the getting back to the question though. There are many that we know mm -hmm. that are earning thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds yes. of thousands per month. There are several that we know, maybe by the end of this year, there might be as many as 10 that are going to be earning, probably realistically, maybe five. They're going to be earning over, are you listening listeners? A million dollars a month. A month. But there's- Every month. 40% of all agents at eXp our sp sponsor are getting some form of revenue share. In other words, 40% of all agents at eXp have sponsored somebody. Okay, so they're getting revenue share. So what you're seeing is in a relatively short period of time, four or five, sometimes three years, you're seeing some of these agents who have, you know, sponsored people, two or three, five, 10, 20 people. And then some of those people have, you know, 40% of those people have sponsored somebody. Da, 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 da. And, and then what happens is that those groups get really, really large. And the agent who originally said, well, you know what, I'm going to decide to become an EXP agent. And I know five people that I can probably get to join me and I'm going to sponsor them. Well, what they don't realize is that one of those people that you just sponsored happens to know somebody in a different state or one of the different countries that EXP is operational in. And then they bring that person and that person then sponsors 300 people and you're getting paid on all of those people. I'll give you guys a real good example. So when Julie and I joined EXP in uh, December of 2019, most of the people, our group, in our group, we did like a vast majority of the people in our group we had never met before, didn't know. Even better, listen to this. Our group is responsible or somebody in our group, I should say, um, is responsible for um, bringing for in. I don't know if it's been solidified yet, but essentially sponsoring the person, the broker who's going to help initiate EXP in Israel, for example, yes, right in yeah. Colombia, in and uh, Panama, in uh, Mexico, in all these other different countries. And these are people that Julie and I 
two and a half years ago did not know. And they're now, because of their personal Rolodex, their center of influence and you know professional center of influence uh, list, they then are having these connections and contacts, bringing those people into EXP. And all because Julie and I had the, you know, we started our group, which is called Libertas, all of those people and all of the, and all the transactions they do all over, you know, every single agent that comes in, when they sell something, they pay EXP towards their cap. And a little portion of that is going to go towards, you know, Julie and I, and that's the way it's going to work for you guys as well. When you come into EXP and there's no dilution. So for example, Julie and I sponsor you and you then sponsor other people. You're not getting, you're getting paid the exact same percent that we are there. You're not losing money. There's, you're not too late. In other words, when we talked about that in the previous question, where this company is in its phases of, uh, you know, adoption and really it's in the early, you know, what is it called again? The early, early adopters, adopters phase. Adopters. I mean, that's really where we are. So really what, again, what we're seeing is we're seeing a sea change in the way that the broker agent relationship works. That's never, ever happened before. Brokers were love saying, love saying they're agent centric. And, and like you and I used to get the number, probably one, two or three question we'd get mm-hmm. is which brokerage should I join? Yes. And before EXP, how would we answer the question? Whichever one works for you. Cause it was basically all the same. Exactly. And they were basically all the same. Whichever one takes the least amount of money out of your pocket and stays the, you know, stays out of your hair, basically. One. Right. Exactly. And that, we never gave, you know, whatever. That was our answer. If you want to join that one, join that one, join that one, join that one. But now it's EXP and it does not matter what your market is, what your price range is, frankly, where in the world you are, it's EXP because of the added advantages that Glenn had the, you know, frankly, genius to create inside this model. Yes. Well, it's called fiscal responsibility to yourself yeah. and your family and your future children if you don't already have some. Okay. So I, you know, and I truly, from a coaching standpoint, running with you, a coaching organization who believes in facilitating the best for our agents and teaching them a model where you have not just one or two or three, you know, uh, ways of making money within your real estate practice. This kind of falls into that bucket as far as I'm concerned and not exposing them to what this really can offer for them. I've always felt would be really irresponsible as for us as coaches and people who coach you to create passive income for yourself and who coach you that it's not the commissions that make a difference to you. It's what you do with them. Okay, so I, that's how I really feel. So I'm gonna I'm gonna address something. I know some of you are mad at us or uh, feel like we're um, you want us to be um, non-denominational when it comes to brokerages, and we had been for decades when regards with regards to answering the question which brokerage should we go to, but we couldn't and we couldn't um, ethically or morally or frankly financially once we realized what uh, EXP could do for our coaching clients. EXP is a natural extension. For what our mission was um, yes. as real estate coaches. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I understand. But it's, it's but here's the thing I want you guys to. I, I received a call this morning. I'm not going to mention names. Da, 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 da. A friend of ours who's in EXP who was doing exceedingly well. A few months ago, he earned uh, $400,000 in a month. And he wanted to ask me a question about um, buying a house. And I won't get into the details. Uh, you know, I love the guy. He's a friend of ours. Yeah, we've become really close to his family. Just great guy. And so he... And I was asking him, you know, he was asking me about spending a lot of money on a particular house and wanted to, you know, he was nervous. It was a huge expense that he was considering. 
And so I asked him a few questions because I'm not just going to, you know, I'm a, I'm a coach I'm not I'm, gonna shoot from at the my hip. core. I'm not going to shoot from the hip. So I wanted to know what he was thinking. I just didn't want to tell him what, you know, my, you know, maybe not valid opinion be given his variables. So I asked him what his perspective was on the economy. I asked him his, what his perspective was on his personal financial economy. I asked him what his perspective was, those types of things. I wanted to know what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he basically, I asked him, well, what is your perspective on your personal economy, your income sources. And he said, solid, rock, locked in, no worries. All right, good. That was an easy one. Then I asked him what his perspective was on um, the U.S. economy, to which then he tells, tells me that his perspective was uh, dour. He was not optimistic. He was looking at things from a perspective that there was going to be a whole bunch of foreclosures. and But he was doing this without any actual factual information. But he pretty much convinced himself of that. So here's what I said to himself. Here's what I said to him. I said, okay, so you've got your perspective. Now let me give you a different perspective. And then you just, I'm not trying to persuade you to thinking a different different way. I want you to take this added information and I want you to then put it in the blender and just basically think about it and then see what your the question that you're seeking an answer for is has a little bit more clarity. And so I told him what Julie and I know to be true, that there's not going to be any housing crash, that there's not going to be a bunch of foreclosures as a result of people coming off of forbearance, that there's not going to be all this doom and gloom crap that a lot of people are trying to monetize. Factual stuff. Right. We And, and then Julie sent him some notes from one of our previous podcasts of which you guys can uh, seek out as well. Do you remember that podcast was called Why There's Not Going to Be a Housing Crash? Yes. Right. Or something to that effect. Something to that effect. Yeah. It should be findable on the website. And it's not just on timandjulieharris.com, but it's on Stitcher, Amazon, it's yeah. on Spotify, it's on iTunes. Listen to our past podcasts. This is the nation's number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents after all. And so I said, I want you to then go and, and, and you know balance out your opinion with a, a countervailing opinion and then see if you choose to be persuaded thinking a different way. Because the thing is, is that with his perspective that there was going to be some sort of, you know, dark cloud of zombie apocalypse with, you know, mm-hmm. lo- locusts and everything in the housing in the housing economy and the economy on a whole. That was causing him to think a certain way that was preventing him to have clarity on his thinking to resolve his own uh, question, in essence. So I said, balance those things out. And soon as he soon as I gave him, you know, a few little tidbits and I asked Julie because she had it all memorized a few di- different little tidbits. I said, how many, you know, foreclosures are, are you hearing that you or do you anticipate 1.4 million? I said, well, this is what the actual number is based on these different sources. And it's, you know, different unbiased sources. And this is what it's based. Blah, 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 blah. It's currently it was, running at one and a, less than one and a half percent. Right. So it's nothing. It's not going to be anything. And again, listen to what, we, you know, and guys, listen, if we didn't, if we saw factual information that would persuade us the opposite direction, trust me, you'd know about it. We tell you, right. Um, but the reality of it was, is he was dug in on this way of thinking that was causing him not to have clarity in his uh, decision-making process, especially about this big financial and life decision. So I said, if you were to not believe that way, well, how would you proceed with this decision that you're trying to make? And instantly he had his answer. Now, see that, why am I bringing this up? Because it's same, that same process is relevant to you when you're thinking about EXP. So if you're listening to this podcast and listen to our other podcasts and, you know, we try to, you know, obviously we're on this U.S. tour and we're meeting with a lot of coaching clients who happen to be EXP agents and coaching clients are going to become EXP agents. We're very much in the, the, you know, in this world right now. But if you're listening to us and you're feeling in any way offended, if you're in any way saying this is not what I believe, I would encourage you to do yourself the future version of you, right, a favor and 
uh, essentially look for information that would uh, invalidate your current stance with regards to exp royalty we did a podcast about that by the way of course is it did. true is it absolutely true who are you right now because you believe what you believe exactly and you know if your chances are if you're in one of these small markets that julie and i are blazing through on this u.s tour and there's like four exp agents you're gonna probably have more skepticism than say for example somebody in dallas who's there's exp agents everywhere right i get it but the reality of it is, is this is the, it, it'd be similar to saying, you know, that Amazon thing. What the hell is Amazon? This Jeff Bezos clown, he's selling a river and I don't know. What the hell is it? Who buys books online anyway? Books. Good Lord. How many <laughs> books do people need? Who cares if I can get a book the next day? I can go exactly. to Barnes and Noble. That would be the skeptic. Yeah. Or, or yeah, exactly. Or what do you, uh, uh, Blockbuster. That. I love going to Blockbuster and you know, what are you saying? Download video. That'll never work. Who's he ever going to do that? Internet connect. I remember they're saying internet connection is too slow. That's never going to work. I remember that too. People are going to, uh, oops. Yeah. Right? No, good luck finding a Blockbuster. And you can go even to like, you know, you and I are paying attention to, though I still won't buy one, electric cars, <laughs> especially in this uh, part of the country. They are everywhere. Yes. I mean, you could, you know, Teslas are the thing and you see these charge, you know, it is funny going to some of these little dodgy towns and these dodgy gas stations and you see this like, you know, everything's covered with dust and it looks like it's fresh out of a 1970s Clint yeah. Eastwood movie. And then there's a charge freaking station that's sitting over there in the corner. And it's not right? just one. There's like seven parts. I know. It's like, what? What the hell? It's because, you know, I'm so there. I'm giving you an example. It's, you know, it's clear that so many different facets of life are moving on. Do yourself a favor and don't just try to hold on to the old ways of doing things, no matter how old you are, because EXP right now is at the perfect position for you to maximize um, frankly, your your financial and your, I don't know, every other trajectory in your life if you open your mind to it. And that's how I really feel about it, truthfully. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we're going to put the icing on the cake with your interview with Glenn this afternoon. I'm obviously excited about it. Yes, absolutely. I am too. Yeah. So anything you're nervous about it? I, you know, it, it's always... I know what you're nervous about. What? Well, we're going to be on his boat. Yes. And you're thinking it's going to be too cold. Too cold and maybe too... I don't know if we're going out in the boat or just staying in the dock. We'll see. And we're a, we're flatland course, uh, we're flatlanders and for the love of God let's make sure that the boat if offered as staying moored. Yes, well we have our <laughs> uh, our motion sickness bracelets being charged, and of course I'm always concerned about you know our tiny savage behaving herself, but I think yeah. she'll find it novel. She loves to travel. Will this be her first boat? Uh, other than things that she doesn't remember, like taking the little boat over to Disney, I think she was too young to really recall that. And by boat, I think we're really we're trying to tenderly say yacht. <laughs> <laughs> I think at a certain point it's called a yacht. So guys, listen, have, be optimistic, be excited. And I'll tell you, that's the big takeaway I've had from this trip so far. And we've got how many days left? I don't even know. We're on week three. I don't think we're quite halfway there. Halfway nope. three yet. And we're going to drive through California and then we're going to drive back through Utah. We're going to go through, we're definitely stopping in Iowa. We've got a lot of people to meet with in Iowa. Uh, yes. So where are we going next? Uh, two days in the Bellevue area, Bellevue Redmond area here in Washington state. Then we're going to go somewhere Oregon. near Eugene yep. area and then down to the Redwood National Forest. That's the next several days beyond that. I don't know yet. Yep, exactly. Which makes Julie very nervous because she's a planner. Yeah, I don't like that. It doesn't like knowing we're, we're going to sleep three days from now. But in the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, 
Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.